It's mammoth, mammoth, right? Like, mammoth. I think it's that's mammoth. what I said, and you guys said it's mammoth, right? Mammoth. But, uh, it's American. It's, it's looks just like Mamet, though, doesn't it? Like, if you just <laughs> no, see that, you No, it does not. Yeah, it does. It's be like Monet, <laughs> Mamet, mayonnaise. mayonnaise, David Mayonnaise. David had some mayonnaise one day. Nate's imitating Garrison Keillor. <laughs> what? Garrison Keillor. Shoeshiner Gino is hired to take the rap for a mafia murder. <laughs> Two-bit gangster Jerry watches. Oh, Gino gives him a weekend to remember. <laughs> You're still recording, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, good. That, that's, <laughs> that's cool. That's the intro. Welcome to Buried Cinema, where we discuss new and lesser-known films in detail, so there will be spoilers. I'm Brian. I'm Nate. I'm Patrick. I'm Kevin. <laughs> I'm Steve. All right, perfect. That was great. In get some no good way pauses will, in there. In no way will any of those pauses be left in. <laughs> One of these days, we should just leave like a two-minute pause. <laughs> now's, a, now's the perfect time with Tom not here. Because then he'd just be He's listening. Edit it out. I like know, <laughs> but he'd have to listen for when it... <laughs> Wait for it. Hey, <laughs> wouldn't you just read when it ends? Yeah, well. you just see when voice comes back. Yeah. Really easy. But knowing Tom, he would. He would. Just, <laughs> he would listen to two minutes of silence. He cares that much. So anyway, this month I had the uh, pick and theme for our for our podcast. I decided to go with heist movies, picking the new release Baby Driver. So Baby Driver is the story of Baby who is a getaway driver for a rotating gang of people who work for Kevin Spacey's doc. Baby is played by Ansel Elgort. There is also John Bernthal, John Hamm, neither of whom spell their names with an H. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, John Hamm does, and John Bernthal. They both have H's in them. In Hamm and Bernthal, but not in John. (laughs) Also, Eliza Gonzalez and... Oh, what's his name? Jamie Foxx. Uh, so Baby plays a uh, a getaway driver who is making up money that he owes to Kevin Spacey. And at one point, he he becomes even with Kevin Spacey's character, and he thinks he's out. But anybody knows if you're working in a gang, you're never out until you're dead. So I'm going to start with Patrick. What did you think about Baby Driver? I'm going to give it an A. It was fast-paced. I mean, I remember, and maybe it's something to do with um, car chase movies. Not necessarily car chase movies, but Mad Max was one of the first ones I really was paying attention to how they were doing, lining up the sounds with the movie. Most yeah, Max yeah, um, Fury, Fury Road. Um, this one, it was, it was spot on. I mean, everything, the timing was amazing as far as the way they were using the music and the sound effects interchangeably you know the gunfire was in exactly in beat with the songs and he's walking down the street picks up the the trumpet just at the exact spot that the trumpet you know they're they're clearly shooting this in time with the song i mean even to the same type of thing that like they try they do in like la la land and stuff like that but i thought like they did that even better here i just thought that was amazing the way they did that nitpicky things with like the plot points as far as like there's no way you know why would you ever use 
Jamie Foxx. Like first he says he he doesn't use the same crew twice, and then he's like, oh, but he's going to use Jamie Foxx again. And you're like, now why would you do that? You know, yeah. he's also using John Hamm and uh... he's, yeah, he reuses them. But then even so, yeah, why would you ever use like the guy who went totally crazy on you the one time? And then the only other thing that was kind of it kind of bugged me was like in the beginning, Kevin Spacey's all the badass. Like if you don't do this job for me, I'm going to basically you know break your legs, kill your father, kill the girl. And then at the end, he's like, oh, you guys are in love. Okay, yeah, here's some money. Get out of town. Yeah. I don't know. It just seemed you know there were some inconsistencies in there, but I I enjoy the movie enough to overlook any of that. He knew he was screwed at that point. Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. Like when he was going, there was nothing hinting at it that he knew that the guys were there. But I almost it seemed like well, he, he knew he had to shut like, down his whole operation at that point right. because yeah. But it almost seemed like he knew when those elevator doors opened that he, he was gonna that that was pretty much it. I don't know. It just seemed like there was like premonition there. But I I agree with you. I think it was it felt a little inconsistent of his character up to that point. He wasn't a character that showed any concern for anything other than his bottom line and the only yeah. reason he even right. protected baby when they were picking on him a little bit is because he was good and he needed him and that's exactly. the feeling i got he didn't actually care about this kid and so that i agree that was a that turn was a little hard to swallow yeah but no just between the the action and like i said the, the way they lined up the music and the sound effects it was such an enjoyable movie to watch so so yeah i give it an a all right steve you're already talking about it why don't you go next well, I, I'm actually going to give it a B, um, kind of the same reasons Patrick said, even though he gave it an A. Uh, I also felt like the love story between Baby and Cinderella, what's her name? Deborah. Deb- Lily James. Yeah, Lily Deborah. James. Initially felt a little false. Like I, they were a little too playful with each other right off the bat. It settled in and then it actually, I thought, worked really well. But the first meeting was just a little, I don't know, it felt scripted. Because she's walking into the. Someone had written a script for. <laughs> she's walking into the 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 thing and just singing yeah, the song I, that has his maybe. name in it. I that and just their conversation. Their mainly their conversation was a little too quick back and forth. I don't know. It just didn't feel real. It especially compared to the rest of their relationship after that scene. The, so, the problem I have with that scene is it's played off as that is literally the first time they've they've ever met. Yeah, that well that's what I mean. It doesn't I would feel... be fine if there's a sense of if she all she has to do is come up and say, "Hey baby, she has to know his name." Yeah. She has to know who he is. So they've established right. a rapport. It felt like they've established a rapport, but they've never met before. Nate? Yeah, so I I mean I I want to echo a fair amount of what Steve said. I'm I'm giving it a B as well. I I really like this movie though. A lot of things you guys have said. The the stunt work on this is impressive. Yeah. Um. The music is is a lot of fun, but we'll we'll come back to that in a moment. The music is one of the reasons I'm giving it a B. I think what's kind of what I really, really appreciate about this is this feels like to me Edgar Wright's first sort of attempt at traditional what what I'd call like traditional filmmaking. This isn't spoof, right? This isn't satire. Yeah. yeah. This is he has an original script. He wrote it. You know, it's not a part of anything else. It certainly has a lot of homages it's relying on a lot of other car chase films but this is a thriller through and through and it's completely edgar wright's one of the things i love about this is that as baby gets into this and as the audience watches it you can see that the film strangely is struggling with this romantic nature of crime that film often portrays right but is also unwilling to pull away from the horrifying nature of it right 
baby is terrified when he's just sitting there in the car and um baits or is it is it bats bats yeah bats yeah. bats kills somebody yeah you know, and, and jamie fox is terrifying in this movie he really he is, is. Yeah. yeah he's as scary as can be he, he does a fantastic job um john ham doesn't really get too scary until after his wife dies but yeah it, I, I love that whole sense of where he's going to this and it's getting darker and darker and you're realizing that it's car chases and things like this, they're not, they shouldn't be as romanticized, even though within a film setting they are. I like that he gets caught and goes to jail. Sorry, spoiler alert. Yeah. And I yeah. I actually love that final shot, but I love that his um, fantasy becomes reality when he comes out, right? And she's got the gorgeous car and she's in the sort of like 1950s, 1960s attire. Well, I like that um, we don't really know if that is fantasy or reality. Yeah, that yeah. That final it, shot, it kind of mm-hmm. seems like it became reality, but I'm still not sure if that was just a fantasy. I like to think that it became reality. And I, th- yeah. I think it, it yeah. earns it, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that he went to jail, too, like you said. Like, I like the fact that he, it wasn't just, oh, they got away and drove off into the sunset. It's like, no, nope, yeah. he went to jail. <laughs> right, because that, that, that's actually how you get away with it, if, if we can say get away with it. You know, that's how you right. actually would, you would have to serve your time, pal. Sorry. What what I struggle with a little bit here is he seems to be, as a director, Edgar Wright seems to be holding on to some of these sort of things that he does do with spoof. Um, it's brilliantly choreographed, but there are these little moments of comedy which aren't fitting his turn into sort of sort of more traditional filmmaking. The the bit with the Michael Meyer masks. Oh, that's um, funny. It's funny, and maybe just because I saw it in the trailer, but within the whole the context of the entire scene. But this is a very lighthearted, silly moment, and I don't really have time to laugh because I'm actually kind of like, I'm all tense, you know, I'm nervous. And it's not the kind of humor that releases anything because during this whole time, babies, you know, looking and noticing people and outside the window while they're making jokes. And so there's there's these little tonal moments in here that I don't think he has fully balanced yet. And then the music is wonderful, but it it honestly, it seems too much. And, I, and maybe it's just a picky thing and maybe, you know, that's the point of the movie is to have cars and music playing, but it seems way too much. Every single scene, there's a there's another song, there's another moment, there's another thing, there's another... It's just over and over and over again. I honestly felt like this sort of sensory onslaught. I wanted See, them I, to pause and have a conversation. You I know? didn't feel And we that couldn't way. do that without music. Uh, the only because the music was very eclectic. Like, it jumped mm-hmm. genres. So it wasn't the same kind of thing over and over again. Right. It kept jumping around. And so to me, it kept kind of informing the story. So it was the music was adding to the story, not just a background to the story because it kept changing. But, yeah. I, I feel like it's being force fed to me, the story. I feel like, you know, in um two hours of that is torrential. It's just it's just it's so much, you know, um, it kind of made me feel the same way that a lot of people came out of Scott Pilgrim did. You know, it was just over and over and over again with where it's like, I, I get it. Here's the mood. Here's how he's feeling. Here's this new thing. Here's this new song. You know, I, I love the small, quiet moments when he finally took the headphones out and when it was just an action scene, you know, and there wasn't a score behind it or anything well, like there, that. There actually was still because you can hear the like, yeah. whine, the tinnitus whine. The tinnitus whine. Whenever he yeah. takes the headphones yeah. out. I noticed mm-hmm. that anytime he takes the yeah. headphones out in the background, you just hear that. You hear that, Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was actually kind of cool. Yeah. I didn't mind that too much. But the other thing, it doesn't affect my grade, but I think we should discuss it. Um, it's a terrible title. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it is an awful title. I, I get it. I saw the movie. I know why you title it that. It is an awful title. This, yeah. this is the time when you need to listen to your producer. <laughs> this is a terrible title for a movie. Natasha was refusing to go see it. She eventually did. She was refusing to go see it just because she didn't want to have to tell people she saw she Baby saw a movie Driver. called Baby Driver. Yeah. yeah. It's, an, it's an awful title. Yeah. You can't like, ex and you can't explain the title away. It's just, it's an awful title. Oh, his name's Baby and he's a driver. So what? It's a, yeah. figure something yeah. else out. Just call it, you know, Driver. And I know there's already a movie called Driver, but whatever. Yeah. You know, call it Ride Like Hell. Someone needs to take that <laughs> title. We have it. We've been offering it to Hollywood for years. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I feel like we're kind of like tearing this movie down. But at the end of the day, I have to say I love Edgar Wright. And this movie's outstanding. Yeah. The only reason I'm talking so critically about it is because of my kind of respect for him as a director. Yeah. I, I would watch this movie again in a heartbeat. And I, I imagine I'd probably find myself being like changing my opinions on it. That's kind of why I'm giving it a B, because the two weakest scenes in the film are when you meet the love interest and the, the big turn at the end. Right. Right. So those should. Yeah. I mean, Ed, Edgar Wright should know better, basically. So that's that's why it drops it down. If this was another a no name director, I probably wouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this an A. I started off not liking. Like Steven said earlier, I love the fact that the music jumped around. It went from the 50s all the way up to DJ Punk today. So I grew to appreciate the music throughout the movie. The, the timing, Patrick, like you said, was impeccable at times. And that was so yeah. impressive. Um, I, I just started to think, how many times did they have to reshoot this to get the timing just right? Steven, to what you were saying, I kind of felt like it was dragging on with John Hamm's character a little bit towards the end. And I think for me, that's where it started to seem like, okay, let's just get past this. You know, he's going to die and move on. Yeah. I don't care how he, he's going to die at some point. I went home and immediately told my wife, I said, you know what? I know it's a car chase movie, which is not something she's usually into. But I said, you would have loved to have seen this in the theaters. You would have really liked it. One of the things well, you mentioned, Brian, how he does some crazy stuff with the cars. What I liked about the driving is sometimes he screws up. Sometimes he tries something that doesn't work. So he's not just sort of this car magician right. that can make magic things happen with his car. A cargician? Cargician, yes. That's an official word he's, now. He's not a Kardashian. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> a car savant? Carvant? Carvant? Carvant. Carvant. Oh, there we go. Uh, um, but I wish they would have kind of implied how he got these skills. They yeah. never do that. But I like that he messes up yeah. sometimes, and he'll he'll back up into into somebody on accident, right. or you know, it's not all it does, everything doesn't always work out perfectly. Even though in that very first scene, when he manages to catch the spikes with the back oh, of the car, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and cool. throw them into the cop car, yeah, it seems like he he becomes more human as the movie goes along in yeah. terms of in terms of how he is driving and. Uh, like he he starts getting more more and more bad things start to happen as yeah. he's driving. Yeah, he's fallible and human. Well, I think it's also that his his character's experience. You know, before it was kind of fun. You know, he had all this confidence, and now he's starting to see more. I don't know how he didn't see them before, but he's starting to see these more unsavory characters, the more sort of seedy underbelly of what he's doing. You know, he works with people again, which it, that's an, another reason. You know, I'm just sitting there wondering, like. I did wonder that I was watching. I feel like that's just an aspect of the script where Edgar Wright is like, it has to happen. I got to bring these two characters back. And he did say, though, that they never work with the same. You never work with the same crew. 
It does, he can work with the same people at some point, but it, the, the the four people in the car is always different. Always Whether or not he's working yeah. with somebody again is irrelevant. Oh, no, but I, I'm absolutely giving this an A. This is my this year's you know, Fury Road. Like, this is the movie yeah. that I want to do way better than it's actually going to do in the theater. I, I, I loved everything about it. Uh, and actually going to see it a second time, you, you catch a lot of more stuff. Like I wouldn't have known that in all of his flashback scenes, he's hearing his mom sing "Easy" by the Commodores mm. in the background. Like I wouldn't have caught that had I not seen it again. I wouldn't have. And this is standard Edgar Wright stuff. There's a lot of stuff on the television in the very beginning when he's sitting up there with Joe, right? And he's flipping through the channels, and you hear all this stuff on television that's like explaining what's going to happen in the movie uh and, and that's something he does in a lot of his movies so yeah it, it's just if you don't know the plot points like you're not going to catch that stuff all right so we're going to add baby driver to our flick chart flick chart is a website where you uh rank movies against each other that you have seen um, and you form a list of your favorite movies we currently have 540 movies on our flick chart and the first pairing for Baby Driver is the final cut. Oh, oh. Baby Driver. Yeah, Baby Driver. Baby Driver. Baby Driver. Did I not hear uh, Kevin? I'm going to no, go Baby didn't. Driver. <laughs> I really like that movie. You can take the moral vote. No, it's a, it's, it's a legitimate choice. Baby Driver or Hell or High Water? Baby Driver. Hell or High oh. Water. I love that movie. <sighs> that movie is so good. Now I'm going to go Hell or High Water. I'm still going to go Baby Driver, but I was thinking of a different movie. I forgot about this. This was a good movie. That's a good movie. Yeah. That's the movie that made me actually like Chris Pine again. So hard. His head is so large. It is so big. I mean, he doesn't have a James <laughs> Vanderbeek watermelon head. Not quite. But. Not yet. That forehead's becoming a five <laughs> Not <head>. yet. <laughs> not yet. James Vanderbeek had that when oh, he was yeah. Dawson. It's not like... Yeah, he can't escape It's not that. like it grew that way over time. No. <laughs> It's not like he was bitten by a radioactive thumb and then he grew that thumb of a head he has. <laughs> Speaking of, I saw him in an airport with his really? family. Yeah. Is, is it as big in real life as it is on TV? He was wearing a baseball cap trying to like go incognito. Uh, you mean a garbage bag? <laughs> Ouch, guys. Hey, what has James Vanderbeek done to us? He knows was, what he it did. It was a propeller beanie. He's... So right now I have two for two for... <laughs> hell or high water and one for baby driver is that correct yes yeah i went to yes. okay. i'd go i'd go hell or high water as well <laughs> all right so that's three for hell or high water i would actually probably go baby driver but that's okay baby driver or the movie that is definitely better than citizen kane black hawk down oh black hawk down yeah it's it's so baby much driver. better than citizen kane that's the movie we're talking about, right? It's a lot better than Citizen Kane. Yeah, yeah. but we're not talking about... We're not comparing it with Citizen Kane. We're comparing it Yeah, but the fact uh, that it's better than Citizen Kane. Well, no, because if we say Baby Driver is better than Black Hawk Down, then by the transitive property, Baby Driver is better than Citizen better than Kane. Better than a lot of us? Yeah. Yeah, but I think <laughs> Flick Chart disproves the transitive property. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. I would say probably nine yeah. times out of a ten it does that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go Baby Driver. Yeah. So Nate went Black Hawk Down. Patrick went Baby Driver. Is anyone else picked? I went or did Nate driver. actually? Did Nate not actually go Black Hawk Down? No, I went Black Hawk Down. Okay. I would, That's a fantastic yeah, movie. I would go so Black Hawk it. Down. Okay, so it's three to two. Everybody's against me. <laughs> Wait, what? We'll talk about war move 
movies later, mean? and I think Black Hawk Down is a very, very good one. What do you mean, Kevin? Well, just you and I. Went, well, you and Baby Driver? Yeah. Yeah, just you and I. Just no, so did I. I thought Patrick. Yeah. Oh, then it's three yeah, to two. Fuck you guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then by Probably the transit of property, Baby Driver is better. By the transit of property, Baby yes. Driver is better than Citizen Kane. Yes. yes. Thank you. Take that, Tom. <laughs> baby Driver or Paranorman? I haven't seen Paranorman. Baby Driver? Yeah. Paranorman's good, but kind of at the end of the day, um, I don't know. It's forgettable. Oh, I disagree with that. I, I'm going to go I Baby Driver. I don't think it's forgettable, but... I've forgotten it. There, I've forgotten zombies. a lot of it's it. Kind of I have kids who watch it Yeah, every I see it every couple of months. six months or so. Yeah. And it's a it's pretty dear. Like, the, I, a kid's movie that where... The big reveal is that a little girl was murdered by her town for being a witch. That's mm-hmm. pretty. That's pretty bold. Oh yeah. Most of their movies have been. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go Baby Driver. I would still go Baby Driver though, but honorable mention for Baby Driver wins. I'm sure Lake just loves getting all these honorable mentions. That's how they feel at the Oscars. <laughs> <Yeah. Ooh. laughs> oh, so close. <laughs> oh, you made the better movie. Well, too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Less people saw it in your face. Baby Driver or Attack the Block? Attack the Block. <sighs> Baby Driver. This is an interesting one for Brian. Attack yeah, the is. Block. Baby Driver. <laughs> Ooh, down to me. All right. Patrick did that on purpose. That's right. No. You know how it works. Good job. Oh, I, I know how these things work. Quick, get it, get it in before somebody else gets exactly. in. Uh, make, exactly. Make it seem like it's a bigger deal than it actually is. I'm going Baby make Driver. It, make it sound <laughs> right. Yeah. So that puts Baby Driver at number 136 on our flick chart. It's just one below Hell or High Water. It is also below The Vivitch, The 400 Blows, and is that the only other Edgar Wright? No, there's two Edgar Wright movies we've done on the podcast. Other than this one, The World's End. And Scott is, Pilgrim. I know. There, there's two other than Baby Driver that we've done. Yeah, World's End and Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. It's above In the Loop, Drive, yes, <laughs> and uh, Don John. So you said some. You said that to me. I don't remember when, but that this is what Drive should have been. Yes, I agree with that they're, statement. They're, they're completely different movies. Oh, they like, absolutely are. But this no, is no, true. Now, Drive, Drive was marketed as this, but that's not the kind of movie it was trying to be. So, from a marketing perspective, yes, but not, I disagree that Drive should have been this movie. I don't think Drive was marketed with any humor, but it, it was marketed yeah. as much more sort of an action-driven car chase. Mm-hmm. So, Which is not what really... it was at all. Yeah. My argument is that if any move, like, I feel like Baby Driver should have had that title. Drive, yeah. And Drive should have been, Ryan Gosling doesn't talk and kills people. You know what you call this movie? You call this movie Drive, Baby, Drive. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah. Dude, I should be a movie title person. Yeah, that would have been a much better title. Yeah, I'd go right in your face. We're going to move on to Steve's pick for this month. Quick change. So we're back with my pick to pair with Brian's Baby Driver. Stupid title. Yeah, I, almost <laughs> stupid as this one. Uh, <laughs> this is a, a movie that um, I saw when it came out. I loved it. I was also 13. But starring Bill Murray, Gina Davis, Randy Quaid. Tony Shalhoub shows up. Tony Shalhoub, yeah. Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci, Stanley Tucci shows Tucci. up. 
Red from that 70s show. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a few people. Uh, yeah. uh, this is the only movie Bill Murray's ever directed. Uh, so he was. There's a reason for that. And after this, they wouldn't let him do it and not do it again. Um, hmm. He tries, he might. They just won't make quick change too. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, it's based on a on a beloved novel. So uh, it's the basic premise is three. I would call them con artists. Uh, br- rob a bank and are trying to get out of the city. And it's a it's a Odysseus situation where they're trying to get away and they things just keep going wrong. Don't try and class it up by calling it. <laughs> no, that's, that's what it is. For some reason, it in is. the season before autumn, <laughs> yes. things start happening. Um, and this is a movie that I've actually wanted to get on Stop the it. podcast for a long time. Not because Why? I think it's a great movie, but um, it okay, has a lot of nostalgia value for me. So I'm going to start with Patrick. Uh, I'm going to give it a C. It just there There were some funny moments in it, but for the most part, it was just so predictable and I, I i don't know it it just it a lot of things fell flat for me on it too i don't know i don't really have too much more to it, it was forgettable like it was just uh, i watched this a couple weeks ago and i mean i remember just not thinking it was nearly i was expecting more i think just because i was expecting you know bill murray and gina davis and i don't know i just expected more out of it i guess okay uh kevin d d wow yeah i I like Bill Murray. I, really I don't know do. why he gave it a D. I can tell you why. Well, I, I know why. It came out in 1990 and not 1989. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad it came out in the 90s, so it doesn't taint the 80s. Yeah, because this would taint the 80s. <laughs> now, I the main reason I don't like this movie is Randy Quaid. Prior to Pluto Nash, I had respect for the man. It's only gotten worse uh, since then. Now, granted, this is nowhere near as bad as that, but... I feel like this is the truest character he's ever played. Maybe it is, in which case he doesn't belong in theater. I Um, agree with that statement as well. Okay. (laughs) I just... About half... Riding on Dennis's coattails. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. About halfway through the movie, though, I just... his, His character, more so than his acting, I would hope, just really started to grind on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you, you've got, like, Steve, you tried to set up a, a potentially interesting storyline. They're, they're trying to point out what's shitty with society and rob a bank and get away with it, and blah, blah, blah. Not hurt anybody, but it, it kind of loses focus. All right, what are you focusing on? Your idiot brother? Are you focusing on taxi cab driver who can't talk? Are you focusing on the police sergeant who just keeps screwing up his whole career and, oh, he might just score one big one at the end before he goes into retirement? Um, the fact that Gina Davis can't just say I'm pregnant. Yeah. She just can't say it. And it's like, oh, my gosh, it's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of little things that just kept piling up for me. I, not like this is a surprise. I fell asleep while watching this. <laughs> uh, and instead of just picking up where I left off and assuming nothing in the last 20 minutes really made any difference, I stopped the movie, did some other stuff, really woke up. Okay, rewound it, rewatched. And I was like, no, I could have just let the 20 minutes go by. I wanted to like this because I really like Bill Murray, but I just, I think Bill Murray belongs on the other side of the camera and only on the other side of the camera. Uh, Brian. So this movie was, <laughs> I think, nine hours long. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, this movie was just, this movie was good for probably the first 20 to 30 minutes. 
As soon as they leave the bank, I had no enjoyment for this. It was just the same running joke over and over again, and occasionally punctuated by Randy Quaid being an absolute buffoon. This was just not not good. I'm gonna have to give it a D as well. Oh, I was I thought for sure you were gonna say F. No, no, this wasn't an F movie. It it was good enough in the beginning to avoid being an F, but I started to have issues with Tony Shalhoub's character in this movie. Like, I wasn't really sure what he was supposed to be doing in it. Like, <laughs> what accent did he actually have? I'm pretty sure in this movie... I'm pretty sure his character in this movie is the same character he has in Men in Black. And Wings. I, yeah. He, yeah. I, and and yeah. Wings. I was going to say and Wings. He had been in, like, the early 90s. Like, he'd been typecast as foreign taxi driver i also feel like he's he's trying way too hard for this movie like tony shalhoub is going way over the top yeah for his part it's a small part and he's trying he's trying so hard to god bless him to get every little laugh out that that he can the problem is it seems like other people aren't you know maybe he and randy quaid shared a trailer while this was going (laughs) they're both (laughs) like let's overact the whole time Yeah. yeah Yeah. Stanley Tucci would walk by and have lunch and they would, you know, pass notes. Yeah. So Nate, I'm giving this a D2. Um Buddy Ducks kind of agree with Brian. Yeah, there's some good moments at the beginning uh with the bank seeing, you know, Bill Murray do his deadpan stuff with a clown. I feel like that was kind of the pitch for this movie. Listen, we'll we'll do all this funny stuff. They heist as a clown. It's it's a little overlong, but that's movies took their time back then and they were a little slower, so I'm I'm fine with that. But then the rest of the movie maintains that same pace, you know. And the jokes, someone once said, uh, you know, talked about like Stephen Wright, the comedian, mm-hmm. that like the risk he takes is by his delivery being so slow. If it's not funny, it's it's awful. And that's that's the problem. These are bad Stephen Wright jokes. The delivery is <laughs> yeah. is so slow, right? That then when the punchline lands, I'm like, who cares? Gina Davis is, you guys mentioned she's, she's gorgeous, but she's also an outstanding actress. And she's given nothing to do, you know. Yeah, Randy that's... Quaid is given so much. Her, her whole role is just to sit there and be, like, dumbfounded about not knowing how to say, I'm pregnant, we're having a kid together. That's it. She, she just has to, every single scene she's going to be in, you know, like, she's going to fumble over it. And, oh, something else is going to s- step in and stop it. They gave her absolutely nothing to do. It's just boring. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to give it a C. I agree with you on the Gina Davis thing. I actually think this is probably Randy Quaid's best performance. That doesn't say much. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, take that for what it's worth. The yeah. one where I disagree is I actually love Bill Murray in this. Partly because he's not playing a comedic role as much. He's actually just playing that sort of... I mean, he can't help but be funny. Even in... uh What's it called? Lost um, in Translation. Lost in Translation. Yeah. Right? It's a dramatic role, right. but he can't help but be funny. Yeah. And he's almost playing that in here. He's kind of got that, he's gone too far, and there's nothing but sarcasm left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I love yeah. that. Unfortunately, it's out of place because the rest of the movie's framed as a comedy. Right. And I think if they had made this a drama, it actually would have been a much better yeah, instead of a comedy. Because it, it, the story is brilliant trying to get out of New York City and just running into these roadblocks over and over. And at the time, New York City was the symbol of the decaying city, the, right. you know, the, the problems with society. 
Yeah. So this could have been really metaphorically interesting, but because is Bill Murray at that time they had to go for the broad comedy, and I think that actually ruined this movie. Uh, I mean, I, I think there's still some really funny scenes. I think the bus driver stuff is funny. Um, Tony Shalhoub, at least initially, is funny. Uh, and then the the conversations that he has when he first comes out of the bank, the up your butt with a coconut, but I saw no coconuts. <laughs> so that's funny. Uh, and just it's Bill Murray's delivery that is, is so good. So that, to me, that saves this as a, it gives this movie a passing grade for me, just that role. But one I, joke, one butt joke gives it no. A Bill joke. Murray oh, okay. saves this movie because <laughs> it it's Bill Murray in the eighties. It had to be a broad comedy. Yeah. So that this could have been so much better as a drama. Sorry, I'm reading Stephen's synopsis. <laughs> Has potential, but gets lost in what it is trying to accomplish, or something like that. Trying had no to be. potential. I know. This movie had a good <laughs> setup and a terrible, terrible so, drop off. That's potential. That's, that's the definition of potential. That's, that's a cliff. <laughs> that's a scientific definition of potential. <laughs> well, it gets a Kentucky Fried Lucas. So nice. I hope you're all happy. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> okay, so uh, anybody else have anything to say about Quick Change? Bill Murray's one and only directorial effort? Nope. Okay. Yeah, not really. <laughs> okay. So we're going to add Quick Change to our flick chart. First matchup is Quick Change or Final Cut. Final Cut. Oh, Quick Change, totally. I'm just kidding. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Pass. It's so much more rewarding than going, oh, yeah, Final Cut, of course. (laughs) Final Cut. Steve, you shouldn't fall for it. It's your fault. I knew exactly what he was doing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe things will get interesting now. Quick Change or Vampire Hunter D? Which movie has the less hmm. creepy underage shower scene? Pretty shower sure scene. Quick Change doesn't have one. I hear I the don't Pams remember it. <laughs> I'm going to go Vampire Hunter D. I'm going to go Quick Change. I'm actually going to go Vampire Hunter D. Just because it has more historical significance. Oh, okay. So this, I don't think this would be too hard for Brian, but um, Quick Change or The Wizard? Quick Change. Yeah. Quick Change. Although I did think about it as I was saying Quick Change. <laughs> quick Change. I agree. Okay, so Quick Change wins that one and comes up against Uncle Boonmy, who can recall his past lives. Uncle Boonmy. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my quick gosh. Change. Yeah, Quick Change. Oh, that sank fast. Yeah, it really did. Quick change or the fearless vampire killers? Oh, fearless vampire killers. There was no quick change. That was the Roman Polanski one, right? Yeah. Yeah. That one just hasn't aged that well. But physically, it's gorgeous. There's some impressive stuff going on. I mean, Steve, remember that huge shot with the giant mirror? Yeah. Where everybody's missing, and there's there's actually it's it's all these little things we don't even like notice or think like, oh gosh, how complicated that would be to do 60 years ago. Um, it's still a terrible movie. No, it's not terrible by any stretch. It's it's it has not aged. It's boring for our sensibilities. It hasn't aged terrible. well for a number of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Who's uh, I was talking I'm, to I'm, someone recently yeah. about Roman Polanski and why he's not allowed in the country anymore. Oh, a student, and I got very uncomfortable. <laughs> well, that's what Roman Polanski does. Fearless vampire killers. You're going vampire killers, Brian. Mm-hmm. 
So that puts Quick Change up against Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. The bad one. The bad one. All right, I'm going to go for Kiss Kiss kiss, Bang Bang. Yeah. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, the bad one. No. Yeah. Brian? Wait, hang on. What year was that one? 2001. It was Stone Skarsgård and uh, Chris Penn. So the, the question becomes, which less talented younger brother do you pick? <laughs> um, I'm picking whichever Steve's movie was. I don't remember the name of it now. Quick, Quick change. Quick change. Me, me too. <laughs> now, Tom gotta, chose this one, right? As a joke. Yeah. I got a question. And, and it may be obvious that I'm just not seeing it. Why was it called Quick Change? Because he yep. cha- changes in the... Um, in the bank? Yeah. Oh, that's bad. And plus, he's it's a bank <laughs> robbery, so he's getting quick Speaking change, of terrible money, titles. Right? Yeah, I mean, there's your so link he's making, between making movies. some quick change. Right? Uh, that, that's not, well... Yeah, that's yeah, the That's idea. a stretch, but... Well, okay. I mean, that's because he's towed the line all his life, right. and it's got him nothing, so he's making quick change. He changes quickly in the bank. All right. No, so, no. That is why no. it's called that. No. Yeah. Okay. I'll, no, I'll yeah. allow it. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin allows it, so shut up, Nate. Okay, so that's two and two, right? Yeah, I went kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Yeah, and so did Nate. Me and Brian went quick change. Oh, so that budge. leaves us stuck. Stupid movie. <laughs> Unless someone's willing to budge. I'll, I'll budge. I don't care, oh, really. Okay. Sweet. They both kind of suck. <laughs> I think kind of is not the word to insert into that sentence. Fair enough. Oh, wait, wait. Wait to see what it's come up against next. You may change your mind, Brian. Quick change or Resident, Resident Evil, Evil Afterlife. Afterlife? Resident Evil. <laughs> yeah, I go Resident Evil. Yeah, totally. Is yeah, that, that the fun movie? That's the that's the accidentally brilliant one. Yeah. Yeah, I actually agree. Resident the Resident Evil movies are fun. Well, that puts Quick Change above Devil, Animal Kingdom, uh, Water for Elephants, and Hereafter, and below Black Sheep. That's for you, Nate. Run, roll, yeah. run, Lola, run, and Mary Riley. <laughs> Why is that movie so low? Mary Riley is not work. terrible. Oh, yes, it is. Uh, okay, so quick changes, 488 on our flick chart out of 541, so I'm in the top 500. That's good. <laughs> Give it two weeks. <laughs> Shut up, Brian. All a matter of perspective. Welcome to Buried Cinema, where we discuss new and lesser-known films in detail, so there will be spoilers. I'm Tom. I'm Kevin. I'm Patrick. I'm Nate. I'm Steve. And did we ever get Brian on here? I guess no, we didn't. no, he was, he's not going to make it. But I'm Brian. <laughs> <laughs> and this month we are doing heist movies, as per Brian picking Baby Driver. Um, we're going to be continuing with my pick for the month, which is Three Kings. This is a David O. Russell film written and directed by David O. Russell from 1999, starring George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, and Ice Cube, and kind of an ensemble cast about a bunch of soldiers at the end of the first Gulf War who go AWOL to steal some Kuwaiti gold bullion from Saddam Hussein. Who had seen this before? I actually had not. I thought I had, but I had. Yeah, I hadn't either. I had seen this probably 10 years ago. Yeah, I've seen it a few times. Yeah, I saw this in the theater. When it first came out, this was actually the first R-rated movie that I went to see at the theater. And I'd seen it several times, probably throughout college. This was actually an important film for me because it kind of broadened my mind as to what 
a movie could do or like how a movie could tell a story. Um, cause there's just little visual things that David O. Russell does in this movie that I, I had not seen before, like, you know, following the bullet into the body and all that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I've been thinking about actually getting this on the podcast for a while. So when heist films came up, I picked it. So, um, Nate, you said you'd seen this several times. Why don't we start with you yeah, with yeah. grading? We, we grade A, B, C, D, or F, no pluses, no minuses. That's right. It's just how we do it. Um, so yeah, I've seen this a few times. Honestly, probably my first exposure to it. This was one of those movies that like FX was just like, for some reason, forcing on our culture and would constantly like play over and over again. It was, it was like the FX channels, like Friday night movie. So I'd, I'd never seen it all the way through. And I think it eventually kind of made its way to TBS and TNT. And for a while it was just bouncing around cable and I'd see clips and things. And then I finally did sit down to watch it. And it's such a surprising film, like plot wise. There's, which we can talk about, there's a scene with the cow, right. which is both horrifying <laughs> and comedic. Like, you don't know, you feel like those characters when the cow explodes. You don't know if you should laugh. You don't know if you yeah. should be terrified. Um, there's the scene with the milk, which I feel, which, which is the same sort of way, where it feels like this sort of, you know, traditional action scene. And well, they dive out of the way and they, then milk they pours a big explosion. Out. Yeah. Yeah. It's got such an interesting sense of humor. Maybe we'll get into it, maybe we won't. It's got a fascinating sort of um, production, right? Famously, mm-hmm. Clooney and O'Russell got into a fist fight at the end of the... And we're, like, constantly at odds. Right. Um, rewatching it now, after a little while later, uh, I'm going to end up giving it a B. I think, production-wise, it's fascinating. I think it's it's a really cool plot. Um, I think that the characters, they lack a little bit of depth. There's there's not too much to them, other than that they're, they're kind of greedy. Sometimes I don't fully understand their motivations. It seems odd, but honestly, the only one of them to me, from just a pure writing standpoint, that I would say is probably fully realized might be Chief Elgrin, might be Ice Cube's character. The rest of them, I kind of get while they're there, but he's, it, it seems much more concerned with the plot than it does the characters. And I think that, that takes away from it somewhat for me. I think um, the character's great in this movie, actually. I think Especially the, uh, Spike Jones's character, I like a lot. I think you're right, Nate, but I disagree with you. And I don't think the characters <laughs> are as fully realized characters as they could be, but I don't think that's what he... I mean, this movie is a blinding metaphor, right? This movie is as symbolic as a movie can possibly get. And so these characters are symbols of various things, and that kind of comes before the character development sometimes. But I don't have a problem with that. I don't think that's a problem. So, Nate, you're giving it a B? Yeah, I'm giving it a B. It's, I mean, it's, it's a, gr- it's a very good movie. I feel like this is kind of David O. Russell's, um, this is the moment he kind of like came into the public eye was this movie for better or for worse in some ways with this movie. But yeah, I, I think it's a very good movie. B. All right. Steve, tell us a little more about the symbolic characters then. Well, I mean, each, each one of these characters, right? I mean, first you have the Americans going yeah. into Iraq to get the gold. Right. Or the oil or whatever you want it. But in this case, it's they're searching for the gold. And once they get it, that's all they that's all they care about. And initially, they're going to leave all these people in this village to um, either be imprisoned or murdered or whatever. And there's that moment where they have to make a choice. Right. right. And you can see what will happen if they choose to leave. The ones that don't get murdered will become radicalized and part of the problem. But then he chooses not to and they end up saving these people who end up becoming part of the salute helping them out right they actually mm-hmm. when the iraqi army attacks 
this group of people actually end up fighting back alongside the Americans. And even though they don't get the money in the end, they've actually, you know, got them out of Iraq and created more allies. But that's not a metaphor mm -hmm. for what the war should have been. You know, exactly. Because mm -hmm. I mean, he talks about it a little bit, but the first Iraq war, we said, yeah, we'll help you. We'll go all the way to Baghdad. And then as soon as we got what we wanted, we left. And there are good reasons for that. But, you know, at the same time, you created an even bigger problem, which is part right. of it. So I don't think that's back. a metaphor. I think it's an open critique. Well, I mean, mm -hmm. the and, way, you know, these, these soldiers are a uh, metaphor for the U.S. at large, right? Because you have the, the one person okay, yeah. saying we gotta, mm -hmm. we gotta stay here and help these people. But he has real, really no power whatsoever. Um, you have the other, uh, Mark Wahlberg's character who only cares about money, but not in a selfish way. It's because he's thinking about his family, right? right? He's thinking about himself first, but in an unselfish way. And then you have the one guy that's actually making the decision who right. realizes that that decision has consequences, but he ends up making and, the right decision. And then you've got the hick who just buys into the. Yeah. The soldier hatred. who's just along for the ride. Yeah, he yeah, just yeah, does whatever yeah. he's told. Mm -hmm. And he's not a bad person. He's not a good person. He just he's ignorant. Himself. Yeah. I think that that uh, symbolism comes first in this movie. And I, I do think the characters suffer a little because of that. But I'm okay with that. I actually give this an A. I think it's, it, this is actually for the time, this is an incredible cast. They didn't yeah. know that it was an incredible cast, but they actually got an amazing cast out of this movie. And yeah, I, I had forgotten that Jamie Kennedy was in this, um, yeah. playing kind of a, just a comic relief character. Nora Dunn, Michael T. Williamson, Saeed Tajmawi, Cliff Curtis. Yeah. I don't know if you guys noticed that Aaliyah Shawkat from Arrested Development was the little, the little girl. Yeah, yeah, I oh, did really? notice that. Oh. And then, uh, Jim Gaffigan. Really? Yeah, he was the guy that, he's the guy that, uh, cuts the ties off of Mark Wahlberg at the end so he could breathe. Oh. That was him. I'm yeah. looking at him. Yeah, like, I didn't nice. recognize him at all. Obviously, a lot younger yeah. and a little bit skinnier. Yeah. The one thing I will say that was distracting was the the stuff that you like, Tom, the bullet stuff, where the bullet goes in and it shows the... First, it's disgusting. You don't need to see <laughs> that. But it's also... I, I don't know. It didn't look... It, it looked... It was like in that place between not looking fake enough or not looking real enough. So it was a little too... I don't know, it took me out of the movie. And what, actually, was, what I, kept I, think, I kept thinking, this is something that Danny Boyle would do, but he'd do it better. Well, maybe, but I think it was supposed to look fakish. Like that first, the first time it happens, you're seeing it from Conrad, Spike Jones's perspective, right? Because mm -hmm. he says tissue and you see like a wadded up tissue in there. And then later on when he actually does get shot, it's, you know, actual lungs and whatever. Yeah. He also did some interesting things with the action scenes. I mean, I think he was kind of it. This is definitely very experimental. There's the scene where everything just kind of blows up after they've gone back to town. They've got the gold and they have the little moments where it's, it's not a straight up scene, right? Where it's suddenly yeah, action everywhere. They pause as each person shoots. Right. Right. It's very different. And so I think he is trying to be deliberately disorienting because he well, does he it with the lighting too. Yeah. He does well. it with the explosions, with the bolts. He didn't want this to be a standard Hollywood action film. He wanted, he didn't shoot the explosions from multiple angles. Right. Um, he said, in an interview that he wanted the audience to see and hear every bullet. Um, so it wasn't just a desensitizing effect. Yeah. So I, I think it's really interesting the way he shot this film. And some of the stone work is really kind of amazing. That, that shot with Spike Jones with the car blown up in the back looks insane. And this was only like his third film or so, really. Yeah. Uh, like, and I think it was his first studio film. Yeah. And he's, he's never gone back to anything like this. Yeah. <laughs> like anything. 
he he did a kind of action movie and then he's returned to kind of his what he does kind of good with your dramas. Kevin, what do you think about this film? The first time I saw it, I really enjoyed it. I wasn't as in tune to movie making craft then as I am now. So for me, it didn't age well. I'm going to give it a B minus. <laughs> no, I'm going to give it a B. But it's it's kind of weak for me. I I think because my expectations of the actors and of directing style, it's kind of like we said in the last one. I'm I'm giving it a lower grade because I had higher expectations, and I think that's kind of where it's falling. I I enjoyed watching it again, uh, and in a couple of years, I'd be happy to watch it again. I enjoyed the acting, except Jamie Kennedy and Mark Wahlberg. I understand. I was just I was just about to say I thought Mark Wahlberg was actually really good in this movie. And it's not so much his acting ability as I what I'm going to attribute to the character. I think I don't like that kind of character. The only thing is, I've seen him do that character a lot. So I, that's yeah. why I think it might be him. Yeah. And it's not that it's bad. It's just a style that I don't it's enjoy. It's kind of whiny. A little bit. Yeah. Depending upon the role, yeah. Well, it was um, weird, too. Because like, going into it, before before they really made that decision where he was got in the truck and was like, let's go. I because they kept shooting back to like his family, you know, like you knew he was doing it for his family. I thought he was going to be the one that was like, you know, saw the girl and was like, okay, no, let's stay. You know, would hey, oh, what if that was my family and do that? And so it was not disingenuous, but it felt weird to me that he was the one that suddenly, when they had the gold, said, "Screw these people, let's get out of here." Well, I think you know what I mean? That's like, the it, metaphor, right? That's where the metaphor becomes more important than the character. But that's where I could totally see Clooney t Clooney's character taking that role. So yeah. that felt yeah. weird to me when Mark Wahlberg's character took that position because it seemed out of character for the character. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. Or at least what they were showing us of. I was expecting him to be the sympathetic dad. Right. And he wasn't. He was like, fuck, these people were gone. You know? yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. That's well, he was thinking about not getting killed and being able to get back to his family. Mm -hmm. That's what he was thinking about at that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Possibly, but I I don't know. That's not, the one. That's not where I was expecting it to go. He seemed know? the like, most I, like aware of the danger of not just the danger of the situation in general. He seemed the most yeah. like yeah. He seemed the most the person who gave the most shits basically. But that's mm -hmm. where you're kind of like, why would he? I mean, obviously not. It's like, why would he have gone on that in the first place? I mean, if, if yeah. you really were just man, I want the best for my wife and kids. I'm not going to go on a suicide run into. It's supposed to be an easy thing. snatch and grab and run. Um, and obviously, as usual, things got way yeah. more complicated. I, think, I do think it's interesting that I find George Clooney's character really interesting in this movie because it's about the goal. That's the driving force. They burst into the room. They see the guy tied to the bed. And there's no hesitation on his part to free the guy, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's not like he stops. And he's like, oh, no, what do I do? It's like he's get this guy out and get these people out and then back to the gold. So, Kevin, you're giving it a B. Yep. Patrick, what about you? I'm giving it an A. Um, I really enjoyed the movie. I, one, one thing I appreciate about the movie is I appreciate the fact that it recognizes, like, because they saved those people, someone died. They didn't yeah. get what they were coming for, right? So it understands that it's not a simple, like, oh, we're just assholes that decided not to do this. Like, it's more complicated oh, yeah. than that. It's and not good there guys are, versus bad guys. There are consequences to doing the right as well. Yeah, and Saeed Tajmawi's character is really interesting. Actually, one of my favorite scenes is between him when he's torturing Mark Wahlberg. And they're talking oh, about their families. Yeah. Um, yeah. His performance in that is intense. And you, you understand a lot of these guys really have no choice but to be in the Republic or the Saddam's Republic. What is it? Republic Guard? 
Yeah. yeah. Well, like, like he was saying, he, they're using U.S. weapons because 10 years ago, the U.S. was the one who gave yeah, them to them exactly. and said, hey, right. you know, and now they're coming. Just the idea, like he said, like my my kid, we woke up and just the block was blown up. It's like, I can't even imagine. But yeah. he's talking to him. You know, what's your wife? And the way they cut back to what if that happened in America? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I thought yeah. it was really poignant. Right, because these rebels are not career soldiers. One, right. I mean, the, the, basically, the leader what, had a couple of hotels yeah. that were destroyed by American bombs. And then the other guy just wants to open a hair salon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like they, they, they just want to live their lives, love their families and do their businesses. And they're forced into this position. I, I'm giving this a solid A. Not surprisingly, this was this has been one of my favorite movies for a long time. Yeah, I, I, I love this movie. I don't have much more to say about it besides that. We've already covered most of it. Um, did we get a grade from Brian? I can text But with well. three A's and two B's, it gets an A minus, which is an a weird Al Yankovic. Okay, uh, let's add three kings to our flick chart. Uh, flick chart is a website that we use here on our podcast. Um, it gives you two movies at random, and you pick which one you like better, and it builds. Your rankings for you automatically. Uh, we have 541 movies on our chart that we've done on the podcast. So we're going to see how Three Kings stacks up. And the first movie comes up against is Oscar loser La La Land. <laughs> it's very, still a winner in my heart. Very middle of the road movie. So yeah. it's good litmus test. <laughs> yeah, I'm going Three Kings. Me too. I'm going La La Land. Yeah, I have to go La La Land. Oh, Patrick! What? Are you American or not? <laughs> I'm Canadian. I really, because really an American liked, would pick La La Land. I really what? like Three Kings. I think La La Land is a better picture. I'm going. La Flick La Land. chart isn't about which one I, is a better movie. It's Flick about, chart is about <laughs> whatever you want it to be. Exactly. God, our chart more. sucks so bad. Uh, <laughs> it's really bad, guys. Oh yeah, no. An that, A minus, an a minus movie. An I mean, A minus movie is going immediately yeah. into the fifty percent range. More of us have seen these two movies now, right? La La Land and Moonlight. Yeah. Yeah. We need to re-rank these. I things. think they're middle. We've We're tried split this before. On La La Land. That's. I mean, both La La Land. I don't and like Three La La Kings Land. Need to be I don't higher. care if it's a good movie. I don't like. Yeah. No, I, I <laughs> so, had to admit I liked it by the end. I think if we rank them, they'd move, especially yeah. Moonlight. Yeah. But we need Brian here for that. So yeah, I go for La La Land. All right, La La Land wins. Three Kings goes to the it bottom. Is what of the it list. is. Three Kings versus another movie that doesn't deserve to be in the bottom half. <laughs> Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. This is our flick chart segment, wow. also known as Breaking Tom's Heart. I haven't seen it. Um, uh, three Kings. Three Kings. Three Kings. Three Kings wins. Three Kings versus The Dark Knight Rises. I'm going Three Kings. Dark Knight Rises. Which one was, was that the first one of the... No, it was the, the third. Last, the, the last one. The last one. one three I'd kings go Three Bane. Kings. Yeah, I'll go Three Kings too. Word. Did you say word? Yeah. I'm confused, but all right. Three Kings wins. <laughs> I was responding to Nate. Oh, Player. I thought Kevin said word, and I was like, did you just vote Dark Knight Rises? <laughs> uh, three Kings versus Mars Attacks. Three Kings. Oh, three three kings. kings. That's where Three Kings is going to end up. It's our litmus. Three Kings versus The Final Cut. Three Kings. Final Cut. Three Kings. Three Kings. I don't see it all. What's wrong with our flick chart? Steve? <laughs> three Kings. Three Kings is now 272 on your flick chart and is dead center. Perfect. <laughs> That's not it a is, bad litmus. Though. No, that's not a bad litmus, yeah. actually. Yeah. It is immediately beneath Moonlight and La La Land. <laughs> and immediately awesome. above the final cut in Mars Attacks. It's terrible. All right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
All five of those movies are exactly the same quality. <laughs> the problem is there's something there's something that's our next step up, the next tier up that kept knocking down La La Land and Moonlight that yeah. we just can't get past. I forget yeah. what it is, but there's something there that won't let La La Land and Moonlight move. Must have been the Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1. Yeah, that that's got to be it. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to move on and talk about our wild card pick for the month, uh, Patrick. Wild card it was. Yeah, pa- Patrick has chosen Things Change from 1988, directed and written by David Mamey. <laughs> Mamey. All right, we're back, and we are going to talk about my pick, which was the wild card pick this podcast of quick change um this pick actually was no actually this, this movie pick, is called this movie things is, change <laughs> hey things change real quick around here so <laughs> this is things change yes it is the nice 19th, save thank, nobody knows it nobody's gonna notice that smooth. um this was actually to be paired off of steve's pick of quick change which we talked about on the last podcast um this was the 1988 i guess comedy um, by David Mamet. Yes, Mamet. Um, who I, I like to call him Dave, Dave Mamet. That's just because we go back. That's what um, his friends call him. That's what his, fr- his and friends I'm sure call he him loves Mamet. that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I have to call Stop him. Stop calling me that, Patrick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this was a, there's a story about um, a shoeshine guy, an elderly shoeshine man who basically is paid off by, it's really the mob, but mm-hmm. to take a fall for a guy to go to prison instead of some other guy for three years. And Joe Mantegna, Don Amici is the elderly man, um, and Joe Mantegna has to basically babysit him for the weekend and just try to make sure he doesn't get into any trouble. And of course, he breaks all the rules as he does that. Hilarity ensues. I was gonna say it, but I didn't. I figured. It's, thank you. Well, yeah, they randomly decide to go to Lake Tahoe. Yeah, drove back. of all the places, but, right? Hey well, guys, one place where they're having weekend. a mob convention. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's where else? Where else would you go? Well, Lake Tahoe was Vegas before Vegas. Yeah. yeah. So that didn't bother me. Them going to Lake Tahoe. Yeah. So to kick it off, um, Steve apparently knows how this ties together with Three Kings even better than with Quick Change. So I'm going to start with Steve. <laughs> well, I... <laughs> ah, no, I, I think Quick Change is more of a sort of your standard... You know, I mean, it's kind of a by-the-numbers, your standard movie. That, whereas... Your standard what movie? Heist like movie? Shit movie? Blockbuster, no. Like heist uh, movie? Bad movie? Like Blockbuster. Steak? Kind of, you know, but this is more... Kind art, of film you wouldn't filmy. pay money for. Shut <laughs> <laughs> me. <laughs> This is just more of a, you know, art film kind of style, you know. So as far as <coughs> and the the way the films are shot, they're more similar. That's so we're we're grouping films based on cinematography. Not just cinematography, but the writing and <laughs> it's a different it's podcast. Not, if we it's are, it's a terrible pairing. <laughs> yeah, no. This is, I watched these two movies back to back. I mean, it's basically the same Seamless, movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pick one. Pick the second one. They come up, back right? years later. Yeah. Don Amici with an AK-47. Um, so I, I I actually really like David Mamet. I call him Mamet. We're not on informal terms yet. Yeah. So you'll get uh, there. I, I mean, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and Staten Vane. Um, I, I, I like his House, uh, House of Games, I think is another one that, yeah, anyways. Um, this isn't one of his better scripts. 
Uh, I think he should stick to writing the script, not directing, right? Because he directed this as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he should definitely stick to writing the scripts, not directing the movie. But he did have some help. Nate, you want to, because you were really excited about this. Who do you yeah, have helping um, I didn't. I don't want to steal your thunder, so I'm giving you a... He wrote this with Shel Silverstein. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we, when we originally found this out, we thought this was, like, odd. Right, we're like Shel Silverstein. What are you doing? Because th- this is his only um, film writing credit. Um, and then we found out that David Mamet and Shel Silverstein were apparently best friends. What? Yeah. Like in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. David Mamet and Shel Silverstein were like best friends, and they actually wrote plays together. Uh, they hung out a lot. You know, they apparently were. He said it was his best that Shel Silverstein was David Mamet's best friend. Which is just like, that seems so crazy to me. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. crazy. But that's apparently the case. And I got a little, like, um, I, don't, I don't know what you would grade it, but I was fascinated by this movie because it's so, it moves very slow. It's not your typical comedy, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem to be begging for laughs. No. It's just kind of letting things go forward, letting things happen. And I was struggling with, is this either like, and after processing a little bit, I think the problem is either this movie is very cheesy, right? I think that's the term that, that we would use. It's very cheesy or it's sincere. And I think in some ways that that's kind of a very fine line to walk because what, these what two gentlemen cheesy? just kind of... When you say cheesy, what do you mean? When I say cheesy... Do you mean like the characters or... Like the storyline. Oh. Like it's so it's so feel good. But it's not. Is it? Actually, oh, no, because... oh, See, that's what I found interesting about this. Um, I think this is some of David Mamet's... I'm having to watch myself because I want to say Mamet now. Uh, this is some of David Mamet's worst dialogue I think he's ever written. But the story is interesting because you have all this... You're right, this kind of like feel good. There, He's having a good time. He gets to hang out with pro- their prostitutes or good time girls. Just know, cool, a couple of cool ladies. Why do you got to call them prostitutes? Tall, young, you know, beautiful probably, showgirls. You got to... Yeah. You got to experience something that he probably will, has never experienced and never will again. But over that entire thing is a specter of he's either, you know, he's either going to go to jail or be killed. I think he knows it. Uh, Joe Montagna knows it. So everybody uh, kind of knows it. Well, Joe he, Montagna didn't know he was he was going to die. Yeah, uh, but he wasn't too surprised. That he's stupid enough to be on probation. He's stupid enough to not know really what's going to happen. He wasn't too surprised when they said this is what's going to because he said he's well, like, you know what happens you next, and I he's t- yeah, I know, and like he was kind of you get the sense that he was hoping that he would just go to jail, but he kind of knew what was coming. At least that's the sense I got, and that sort of cloud hanging over this, like Nate said, kind of comedy is actually I found really interesting. Mm. Unfortunately, the dialogue is pretty bad. But these of. these two characters and what they're going through, I like couldn't help myself. I couldn't tear away um, because I actually, I, I don't think it's cheesy. And I think I've got a better definition. I've been thinking about it. But I think it's this knowing manipulation of people's emotions to make you feel good. I, oh, I think okay. that's what cheesy is. You don't actually care how you get there. You're just trying to make people feel good. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a lifetime movie. It doesn't the plot and everything in there doesn't matter. You're not really trying to say anything. You're just trying to make people feel better. Well, lifetime is they try to make you feel worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this could be really, really sincere. You know, and if it's sincere, if they if they're honestly trying to talk about how things change and you should just experience life, you know, and it's it's not pointless to live out the last kind of two days of your life. 
you know, in a happy way. But it's, yeah. I like that it's not kind of crazy over the top. You know, yeah, they do go and get to showgirls. There's not some insane sex scene. It's just two guys sitting in a, outside of a hot tub. It's it's strangely sincere. And also, and they, I, I, there was like the, the part where um when he he set him up to win in the in the casino, yeah, you know, he wins, and then he loses it all again. Yeah, but I mean, you could tell he knew. Like they didn't play it the straight. Oh, buffoon doesn't know what he's doing. We're yeah. gonna make him, ha- you know, let the old guy do this and then walk off. And how we pulled one over. You could tell he was like, yeah, he knew what was going on. Yeah. So like you said, they didn't. They weren't going for that easy standard comedy. There's there a lot of times where. They set something up and it doesn't quite play out like you expect, like it would in a traditional, like, like you said, the one where he bets on what, 13, 12, or 12. 12. Yeah. And then you can kind of see after the second, he plays the second time, he realizes what's going on, but he's still enjoying. Yeah. He doesn't get pissed off or anything. He's (laughs) like, oh, well, I'm still having a good time. Yeah. You know, and I understand that I have to give this back. So. I'm going to go and bet it all on something I know I'm going to lose. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. So it had this sort of layer of almost touching on mm-hmm. it, you know, because like you said, you could see that sort of, at the end of the day, he was still just enjoying what was happening. Yeah. And just taking it for, for what it was. Well, at well, the end, it's it's kind of a reasonable ending, but it's uh-huh. still a happy ending, you know, where mm-hmm. he's he's back at his shoe sign stand and and says... Jerry is there with him, right? He's he's out of the mob because this guy's a schlub, you know. <laughs> he yeah. can't do his job, but he's not he's he's not dead and I'm kind of happy. I do feel good at the end because it seems honest and sincere. In some ways David Mamet films do Mamet Mamet <laughs> David Mamet films I actually think he he has this weird ability where his films actually I think age better. I watched Glenn Gary Glenn Ross a little while ago. That film is is stunning. Yeah. So good. So his films just they they get better as time goes on as you're able to kind of process them and relax with them. I still don't know where I'm going with this if it's an A or a B yet though. I'm actually giving it a C. Um even though I <gasps> I like the movie, this is goes back to what Kevin was saying earlier. I had expectate I have higher expectations of David Mamet when it comes to uh, or should I call him Mamet? <laughs> David Muppet. <laughs> yeah. I have higher expectations of David Monet's uh, uh, dialogue. His, his painting. So, yeah. uh, but David Manet's dialogue. Uh, I have I have a higher expectation. He can do better. I don't know. And, well, Sh- Shel Silverstein he, wrote all the dialogue. Oh well, that, no, yeah. I don't know. All right, so you're and giving it. it I just don't think I like. I said I don't think he can direct and write. Nate, do you want to give it a grade or you want to chew on it for a little bit? Um. Yeah, I think I, I think I've got a grade for. It. I also want to read one quick little thing here. This is a this is something that uh, David Mamet wrote for Self Silverstein to prove just to prove to you how close friends they were. And I found this interesting. <laughs> this is from this is from the Paris Review. He's just describing Shel Silverstein, and it also kind of it it feels a lot like this movie. This these couple of sentences here could be. Really cheesy or very sincere, depending on how you how you look at him. Mamet says this about Silverstein. He says he lived alone in various houses and moved from one to the next in response to no discernible stimulus. I assume that at some point he felt it was just time to move. He had lost his first wife and the young daughter to cancer, and he told me that the terrible thing was not that they were dead, but that they stayed dead. I thought of it often and think of it often or since his death. I had had a cold and was sleeping in a little guest cubby in the eaves of the attic, and I woke up with an intolerable pain in my chest. I knew I was dying and thought, well, this is a heart attack. It subsided 
and I went back to sleep, only to be struck again some time later. The next morning, a mutual friend called to tell me that Shell had died the night before a, of a heart attack. In fact, of two heart attacks, some minutes apart. Wow. My wife sent me to have my heart checked out, and its only defect was that it was broken. Oh, that's cheesy. That's, <laughs> that's is is that cheesy or is that sincere? No, up until the last three words... That it was beautiful, but oh. but that's 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 the struggle I'm having. Like, if if this is sincere, if this is David Mamet, and I I feel like it is, honestly pouring his heart out to his friend. And when you think of his other movies or some of the other stuff he's written, right? Like, it's this tough as nails kind of stuff. And oh. then to hear him waxing so poetic about his buddy, yeah, I don't. It's so different. Um, and so I'm I'm struck by the sincerity of this this movie, and I'm I'm going to give it an A because it's it's also so different from anything else I've ever seen or we've we've ever done or he's ever done. And so I'm just kind of I I love the experience. It was so refreshing to see a movie that didn't try to go over the top, that let the laughs, if they're even laughs, just kind of happen. I'm giving this movie an A. Did that have Stallone in it? Did it what? Did it have a Stallone in it? Yeah, over the top. Arm oh, over movie. the top. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tom? That was a bad joke. That was a bad joke. Um, I just want to get on record that that was a bad joke. Um, I think I'm going to give it a C as well. I, it just was kind of there most of the time. Like, I wasn't upset that I was watching it, but I wasn't like super into it. You know, I thought Don Amici was very good. Actually, I remember this being on like HBO or something back in the '90s. I think just because kind of like always on one of those channels. But I mean, Don Amici is very good. Joe Montaigne is fine. The story is kind of convenient, but it's still like a pleasant watch. So it's just kind of like in the middle for me. Okay. Kevin, how about you? I'm going to give this movie a C. I enjoyed, I really enjoyed the story. Like Steven, I did not enjoy the acting in the first third of the movie. David Mamet is a very stylized writer. It, Stephen had mentioned that, and, and I'd be interested to see if I went back to some of the earlier things uh, by him that I have seen to kind of look mm -hmm. to see if I see that same. I haven't seen Untouchables shit in 20 years. Yeah. So in so, my head, that was an awesome movie. Just so you know. It, it is. Great. Yeah, it is an awesome movie. Yeah. Uh, David Mamet's next project, upcoming project, is The Diary of Anne Frank. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Yeah. As a director? As, as a director and writer. Well, hmm. it's already written, right? So. Yeah, but there's not enough fucks in it. So, Starring Al Pacino as Anne Frank. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> German. Too soon. Who has seen Glengarry Glenn Ross? I have, recently. Because that's a, I mean, one of, the, one of the things said, Kevin, is you, you don't think he's going to be kind of, something to the effect, you know, he's never, I think that's really great, but I think that movie, that's one that will be studied. Oh, yeah. Us. I have yeah. been hearing about that movie for decades, so yeah. I, I don't doubt that. I just have honestly yeah, never watched it. it. State and Maine is great. His yeah. his early work, Homicide, is very good. He's he's great. Oh. But I agree but, that he's a better writer than director. Yeah, the, oh, I, the I, I agree with that, too. The Edge is great. Yeah. yeah, but if you listen to the dialogue in The Edge, it's very, especially when Alec Baldwin gets going, it's very David Mamet. It's just, yeah. it's, there's a stylization to it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is anybody surprised to see William H. Macy and Felicity Huffman pop up? Not me. Yeah, I was. Wait, Felicity Huffman was in it? Yeah, she was the Wheel of Fortune lady. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're right. Oh, holy shit. This is her first movie. Oh, was it? 
Wow. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I give the movie a B. Um, I, I enjoyed it. It walked that line of charming without crossing into the corner, for me at least. I thought, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was Joe Mantegna kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit. So I think he sort of brought that's, it down kind a of little bit for me. Yeah, exactly. But to me, it gets old after yeah. a while. Like, I can only take so much. Like, he's a good he's a good side character in a movie. As him being the second lead in a movie, it's just too much. Yeah. It was a good comedy without going into the got two two days we're going to go to vegas or, or tahoe with a guy you could have could have turned into exactly right. but you know that same premise could have turned into a really corny yeah. cheesy and it wasn't i found it very touching and sentimental which i yeah i'm curious to see more of david mammoth's things to see how much of that because i mean i love shell silverstein so you i wonder <laughs> i honestly wonder how much of because shell silverstein everything he wrote as cr- whack as it could be it was always sentimental it was always yeah. touching it was always something that you almost felt in your heart when you read anything he writes so i mean mm-hmm. i'm curious to see more of mammoth to see is, is there a separation or you know did that work maybe they, maybe they blended well together because of that i feel like mammoth is uh an optimist but not a sentimentalist yeah. okay mm-hmm. you I, know? Feel, I feel like shell silverstein's the optimist he's a sentimentalist but he's not an optimist necessarily yeah <laughs> Shel Silverstein fact, before J.K. Rowling, he was the highest selling children's author of all time. Really? Mm. Over Dr. Yep. Seuss? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's, he's won two Grammys. Really? Yeah. Really? He wrote A Boy Named Sue. One more Sue, than Dr. Seuss. And uh, I forget what the other one was. I mean, he, he was a songwriter back then. I didn't yeah. know he wrote. He's like a renaissance man. Like, okay, so with a C plus, we are oh, going to throw things change up on our flip chart. All right. So uh, our first matchup. For Flickchart is Things Change or Three Kings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> three Kings. Oddly enough. Yeah, three I'm going to have to say Three Kings. I would go Things Change. Three Kings. I win, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> you have defeated me. Tom wins the podcast. <laughs> Things Change versus Black Hawk Down. Black Hawk Down. That's in the bottom half. Yeah. Black Hawk Down. That tells you, Tom, just how many <laughs> movies we think are better than Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say yeah, Black Hawk. I'd go Black Hawk Down. Things change versus Videodrome. Things Ooh. change. I haven't seen Videodrome. I agree with Kevin. Videodrome. Things change. Videodrome is more uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> these are completely different sides. Oh my goodness. I, I like both these movies, but one makes me feel dirty, and the other is about television. <laughs> but I'm cha. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go Videodrome. Well, that makes us stuck. Yep, we're stuck there then. Anybody willing to budge? I'm not. Videodrome's gross. (laughs) (laughs) It's stupid. In what way? How's it gross? (laughs) All the ways. No, I'm not going to say things change is better than Videodrome. Yeah, like I can't. I haven't seen Videodrome. Oh, I'm not budging. So then that puts things change above (laughs) Alphaville, Severance, (laughs) and Days of Heaven. Severance was better than Videodrome. Yes. Tom, have you seen Severance yet? No. Come on, Tom. We need this. Kevin and I are wallowing over here in Steam's <laughs> stupidity. That movie's gross, too. Uh, above Things Change is Miami Connection, Hotel Noir, and Immortals. No, doesn't deserve to be down there. So that wraps up Things Change, and we'll be back after a moment to talk about what we will be watching next podcast. All right. So on our next podcast, we're going to celebrate. Is this uh, six years? Seven years? 
Seven. Seven. Seven, seven. years. Wow. Seven years of buried cinema podcasting. Seven years of us sitting in chairs with or without pants. That's up to you to decide. <laughs> <laughs> Just let your mind go wild. <sighs> Why did we give this to me? Because <laughs> we why make we bad choices. I, That's why. Yeah. Same reason we've been doing this for seven, seven years. years. We make bad we choices. Make, <laughs> seven years. Yep. Next we time really we're going to count up how many. Someone should go back and figure out how many hours we've spent on this to not no. to depress us. Uh, <laughs> oh, next year we should do a like revisit it. So we pick our favorite movie that we've already done on the podcast. Retrospective. Hmm. I don't want to do a whole. Podcast we've done a uh, different. <laughs> we've only done one movie twice. Yeah. What was that? The fall. And I the still fall. haven't seen it. Oh wait, no. Is that with the weird shaped <laughs> creatures? No, that's a different movie. No. Um, you just described like half the movie <laughs> with the weird shaped yeah, creatures. Yeah. The weird shaped creatures. No, where they're like really tall and they've got these like things change. It was Joe Montana. Very <laughs> angular kind of helmet looking thing. Not angular, but like flat and then cylindrical in the front. Uh, and like a helmet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a movie you're like, okay, you should see this. You'd really like it. Not that's good. This is those guys. This is pretty much oh, that's the one okay, I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. That's a good movie. I know. So I, I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Radio Sorry. gold right now. Seriously. <laughs> um, so what we're going to do, we like to, when it gets around to this time, we like to talk a little bit about either a famous movie. We've done things like Star Wars or Independence Day or things like that in the past. And so what we've finally decided is we're going to talk about everybody's favorite movie on the podcast and then determine what that means about them. Let's get really deep. So I just, it shouldn't be too hard for anyone except for the fact that I chose a history of violence. No, I, I think that's pretty um, uh, dead on. Yeah. 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 We know, Nate. Yeah. yeah. We know. So we're going to finally so acknowledge let's, uh, that go around and just we're going to finally acknowledge that Brian's not here or where's Brian? <laughs> <laughs> Brian who? So why don't we all go around and tell, uh, say what they're, what we've got looking forward to uh, next podcast. I've chosen A History of Violence. That's my favorite movie. If we were actually in polite company, I would not tell you that. I would say it's a beautiful mind. And we'll talk about that later, why I do that. <laughs> Fascinating. I'm going for Fight Club. That's so it. we go from A History of Violence to, to Fight, Fight Club. Club. Exactly. This um, is... Anybody choosing like Winnie the Pooh or anything? <laughs> okay, so let's, let's really... go around. You have uh, Fight Club, which is about... Basically beating the Fighting. shit out of each other. Yeah. Right. History mm -hmm. of violence, which is about shooting the shit out of each other. Okay. What's yours? Uh, mine is The Great Escape, which is about imprisoning people and, and them dying to try and get out. Okay. Uh, World War II. Dad movie. Oh, total dad movie. <laughs> I watch it every holiday Father's season. Day. No, not Father's <laughs> Day. No, I watch The Great Escape every holiday season. Everybody in my family knows if that's on, leave the room. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? No, daddy, I, you is that because me, it gets boring? Or? <laughs> well, yeah, not too, but if you interrupt me, uh, I'm, I might lash out at you. Leave the room. It's hopeless. He's not going to change the channel. <laughs> you do the dialogue along with the characters in the movie. <laughs> he's, act, you know, he's crawling around on the don't. floor. No, I don't do it. Next year, we act out our favorite movie. <laughs> become dressed uh, in character. No. We see who can That's, go the farthest. Yeah. My favorite movie is Chinatown. And no. All right. No. And you'll understand after you watch it. So this is about water rights in California? Yeah. Seemingly. Okay. Sounds yeah. like She's my sister. She's yeah. my daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Roman Polanski. What did you expect? Yeah. 
But yeah, Chinatown, it's been, I don't know, I saw it when I was a teenager and I thought it was brilliant. And I watched it probably once every couple of years since then. And it gets better every single time. I think I, I could probably recite that movie. And if I watched it, I would notice something new that makes it more brilliant. Uh, and what has Brian chosen? Uh, Brian chose an unknown movie called Shawshank Redaction, something like that. Shawshank Regurgitation. <laughs> Shawshank Regurgitation. <laughs> the Regurgence. Regurgence. I like Redaction. <laughs> um, Shawshank Redemption. So two violent movies, two prison movies <laughs> so far. One ancestral movie? Well, Tom's picking that, so two. Wait. No. 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 I'm picking a sweet little movie. <laughs> you are, yeah, you are. You guys are all about. We're all picking movies um, of like murder and rape. Tom's uh, like, oh. No. You guys Maybe always joke that I choose black and white silent films. And uh, my favorite film of all time is actually a black and white silent film. So I'm choosing City Lights. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin City Lights. And uh, there's no violence, really. Well, there's an angry drunk in it, but. Uh, there's a boxing scene that's a little bit much for kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tom, I think you're the only one in the group with redeeming qualities based on the movies <laughs> we have coming up. I did. I was uh, <laughs> looking at a list of someone ranked the 10 best greatest comedies of all time. And this was number three or four on the list. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Should have been number one. I'll be happy. Due date was number one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you hate that when you get to like just like somebody's list on the internet and it's like all these really good picks and then the number one is just something like awful, completely absurd. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like, what the hell? I'm curious no. what was above it because if Caddyshack was above it, I'm just no. It was. I, I agreed. <laughs> I actually agreed with their list. Back to school, Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, so next right. podcast, you're going to hear us talk about a lot of movies that you've probably already seen. But you get to find out how we feel about them, yeah. exactly. even though we all picked them as our favorite movie. And you, you know, after of... listening to us that for you can't wait. seven years, the fun part is, I wonder what their favorite movie is. Yeah, yeah they're going to find out. Yeah. yeah. It's only been oh, seven years of we'll build-up. We'll give them time. <laughs> yeah. so, I'll, so I'll come to this. Our audience is like a bunch of nervous T-Rexes. <laughs> <laughs> You know you guys are getting a black and white silent film, right? Yeah. City Lights. Okay. So yeah. yeah. My fit wait, it doesn't have to be buried? Doesn't have to be buried. I'm thinking Chinatown. That's like the Kurt Russell? No. No, that's big trouble in Little China. Oh. <laughs> no, <with> Jack Nicholas. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Jack Nicholas. Jack, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> big trouble in Little Japan. <laughs> Is he golfing? Yeah, take place on a golf course. Um, <laughs>